You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Our focal passage today is in Psalm 30, verses 1 through 12. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, Before I kind of hop into this, I wanted to let you know a couple things. One, uh, around here at the village, according to the scriptures, the elders set the mission of the church. Uh, Deacons serve the mission, members live the mission. And what that means for elders is that we, we, we set the mission through doctrine and direction and devotion and discipline. How do we do that? I know you're dying to know. How does that happen, right? And so we, we care for, we equip, and we mobilize by knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting. Now, I know all of that was just a bunch of words to you all, but that's something, those, uh, those words mean something dear to me, and, and they mean something dear to you. Um, it's a high call to be, to be an elder, and it's frightening and, and so we, we are accountable to one another. I, uh, as a pastor of this church, am accountable to you. Um, we try to do that humbly. We try to do that with transparency. Um, we don't speed towards things. In fact, in terms of the number of elders that we have, we have four elders. Two of those were around before the village began as we were building stuff together. One of them came the first day the village uh, gathered together on a Sunday since then, we added one, Adam Hanauer. He snuck in the back door somehow. Years later, and he's been around for a while, we've not had elder turnover. We've not, we've not added flippantly. And so we are, are slow and thoughtful when we think of those things because we are accountable to you. And so um, this guy that just read this, not Kate, who did a great job, Kate, but but David Craiglau, he has been a part of a process that we've been open with you all about. Earlier this year, we acknowledged that, that he was moving from applicant to candidate, and so he was able to preach, and I got out of the state when he did that. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I listened to him on the beach. It was great. 
Um, and so today, I, I am I'm commending and affirming him as, as fit by the existing elders. And, and so we just want to give you a couple more weeks as members of this church. We care about your voice. We are member informed as a church. And so speak now, not the Taylor Swift album, but, but speak now or forever hold your peace. That's not really true either. But on December 31st, we will commission David uh, as an elder. And so just want to encourage you all once again, if you're uncomfortable with that as a member of this church, if there's stuff that you're like, ah, like you see inconsistencies in his life, I would have hope that you would have chatted with him up to this point. You have a couple more weeks to do that. If that doesn't go well, come and talk to me or one of the other elders. Otherwise, man, we're really excited and we love that guy and his family. And it's, it's been a gift and um, enjoy to kind of walk through this process. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the year, if all goes well. So that's that. I want to pray and then we're going to talk about this psalm. God, thanks for your goodness and your grace. Thanks for such a time and season as this, where we just remember who you are, and we get to do that all the time. But at this time of year, we get to do that with the backdrop of, of lights all around the city and all around our spaces and, and in living rooms and you know, movies and shows. And just thanks for the gift of the season as we, as we just remember and we remind ourselves of who you are and what you've done and, and who you are and what you will do. And so thanks for your goodness and your grace. Would you show us and remind us today that you join your people in the valley of despair and you deliver joy to our mourning? Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm starting the clock right now. None of that counted, so just to let you know. So, um, you know those moments in life that feel like the biggest moments like of your whole life, like good or bad, uh, but then you get through them and then like they're, they're gone and you're like, you might not even think you know, a, a second thought about it. Uh, as part of Acts 29, I, twice a year, I go and I hang out with like eight or nine dudes in a house for like three days, and we don't leave the house for like three days, and that's weird or whatever. Um, that's Scott's worst nightmare. But, um, <clears throat> so we do that, and then, and then we just, we talk coaching stuff, church stuff, life stuff, and one of the things I have to do is each of us like take a big white sheet of paper, and like third graders, we, we draw like the last six months of our life in like, you know, icons or whatever, stick figures or whatever, and then, then kind of like what's pressing on us right now, and then in the next six months, what are we hoping for or whatever, and that's been a sweet exercise for me to like, oh gosh, those are the moments, and, and, and I'm not thinking, you know, decades back, but I'm thinking, you know, in the last few months, these are the things that were important to me, but, but it's so, uh, so funny that, that so many of those moments, they're, they're not even stored in our memory, and, and, and they're just gone, like, like uh, uh, hiking with a blister. There's nothing, you can't think of anything else, <laughs> and you're like, I cannot wait to get, like, it's, it's so unbearable, and then you get back, or, or if you have a, a rock in your shoe, and it's like, you can't think of anything else, but then you, you empty that out, and then it's gone, like it never even happened, but in the moment, it was everything. Kim and I have a, a story that's, that was like that. Um, we were 20 years old, maybe barely 21 and there was a lot going on in our life. We had just gotten married, and, and we were trying to figure out things, and we worked a lot and went to school a lot, and it was just, life was like nearly overwhelming. And we, we had somewhat of an opportunity to leave the only church that we had known 
and, and for me to be a youth pastor at another church, and, and maybe there was like the possibility that that would alleviate some burden. That wasn't true. It actually just added to it. But um, the decision seemed everything, and, and we prayed, and we pleaded, and we talked to the pastor of our existing church. We talked to the pastor of the church that we might be going to, talked to friends and, and others, and I remember like just being like tore up, like we just didn't know what was right. And I remember like praying this prayer, like, God, would you like write on on the wall of our bedroom the answer like that for like I was and I was dead serious like when I wake up I'm going to open my eyes and expect you to have written the answer on the wall well that didn't happen which is crazy and then but we were getting ready to like visit the the church that we were maybe leaving to go to on a Sunday and we got a call from you know our our other pastor the pastor that had pastored us for our whole lives up into that point and, and he said, hey, like, I have something to tell you. And he said, um, I, I just, I feel like the Lord laid on my heart to tell you this. Like, you guys just need to, he said, this doesn't serve me. We had plans for both of you. We hope that you'd be around for a while. We hope that we could invest in you and you could serve in, in this church or whatever. But I, I don't think this serves me well. But, but the Lord would have me tell you, like, go where the peace is. And it was like the most overwhelming, like, well, that's it. it. It was literally like we hung up the phone and like literally had to hang it up like on a stand at the time. It's a hundred years ago. And, uh, and I was like, well, that's it, Kim. Like, we're, we're leaving. And it was like, oh, okay. And, and so it was. And, and what's funny is it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what happened. Like, like something happened, and now that moment is not on my radar. Go where the peace is, uh, and and we knew what that meant. And and for us, it was like, wow, you know, uh, in, in that moment, God had spoken; He had delivered us from the uncertainty, and and I believe that mattered in our lives, uh, ultimately leading us to to be a part of that other church where where God knew in His provision what I needed to build me up to pave the path that we might plant the village six years later. And, and he, 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 through that process, gave me the gifts and skills and people that led us to this. And, and what I say is about the village is God had been planting and growing the village long before he let any of us know in a thousand ways. And that was just one little way that he was using us to get us to that place. And in some ways, that answered prayer, that timely word, that, that settling of the unsettled was God's deliverance from our lack of clarity. And it may have changed our life for sure, but it probably changed even, even your life. And there's 10,000 butterfly effects of God's hand, but, we, but what we do know is, is there are times when we need help outside of us. There are times when, when we don't have the answer and God always intervenes in just the right ways, in just the right times, even if he doesn't intervene at all. That's true for each of us in, in each of our lives, and that's true for all of life for all time. And so I just want to ask you as we look at this psalm that's kind of like captivated me in a, in a really encouraging way this week. What have you asked God for? Where has he delivered in times of need? How did you respond? When we look at, at what the church celebrates and, and literally the, the reason for this season, there's this overwhelming reality, and, and it's this, in the middle of darkness, 
light has dawned. And that's imagery for 10,000 things in our life, but in the middle of darkness, light has dawned. And, and it's this, this idea of a great reversal. The pattern of God's presence is deliverance from distress, and it, and it doesn't come easy, and it, and it never arrives late, but God is patient. His ways are not our ways. He doesn't always do things like I would want or like, like you would want. And it, it, it's, it's this trajectory shift that things were going one way, and he makes them go another way. It's light in darkness. It's life in death. It's it's rising up when the world is falling down. All this that we sing about, Jesus, it's, it's righteousness confronting sin. It's good overcoming evil. It is, it is this reality that God joins his people in the valley of despair and delivers joy in the face of mourning. And that's what this psalm is about. And that's what our life in Christ is about. And so we're going to look at kind of three chunks and the first one is this, when, when things feel hopeless, remember hope. When things feel hopeless, remember hope. This is David writing this psalm. He was a king, kind of a big deal. He says this, I will extol you. I'll tell you what that means in a second. Oh Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. <clears throat> O oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O oh Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. That's like the place of, it's like, it's like the, the trash heap that reminds us of, of, of hell is basically what it is. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. So he begins on the other side of his despair. He begins with rejoicing. He's recalling what God has already done. And so he gives us reasons to extol, which is like praise enthusiastically. Enthusiastic praise. It's like, like when, when Jamar Chase scored yesterday. And he's like, yeah! Like, and you text your friends, you say, like, that is a grown man. It's like that, but, but his heart is towards the Lord. You praise him enthusiastically. And so he gives us the, these relatable experiences. One, you raised me from my foes. Like, you, you, you delivered me from my enemies. And look, if you know anything about the life of David, the bro had some foes, right? And, and we'll, we'll walk through some of that next year uh, through 1 Samuel. And we'll see the beginning of his kind of life and, and, and some of his things. But, but you raised me from my foes. You heard me. You answered prayer in, in desperate circumstances. I will praise you with all that I have. God hears, and, and hear this, in a world that, that, uh, where, where being heard is everything, I want you to know this. You are heard. The, the Lord hears you. That's significant. When no one else will listen, the Lord hears you, and, and David's praising him for that. And then he says, you rescued me, you, you rescued me from the way of death. It's, it's the, the language here is, is death from judgment. You have rescued me. And, and so what, what we get to sing is, is Christ has already done that. Christ has received our judgment. He has rescued us from God's judgment for us, for our sin. When things feel hopeless, remember hope. What a great 
reminder. When, when you are helpless, remember the one who helps. This is what so many of these psalms, so much of the Old Testament recounting God's deliverance, so much of the New Testament giving account of God's work to intervene when all hope was lost. The Old Testament, things are dark. And I don't know if you've ever like, like swam through the pages of the Old Testament. But good grief. <laughs> it, it is just darkness and death, page after page, failure, unfaithfulness, and, and in shining contrast, you have a God who is faithful. The law seemed to have failed to bring God's people home to him. Not because God failed, but because humanity failed. Darkness descended. Hope was far off, but, but it was a flicker yet. That flicker of hope was the long-expected promise of one who would come. And look, there are hundreds of years between the, 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 la the last of the Old Testament and, and Christ showing up in a manger. Hundreds of years, 400 years between the, the testaments, the intertestamental period where God didn't speak Darkness fell and God didn't speak. There was no prophet shouting. There was no apostle teaching. There was no word written. And everyone's looking for this long-awaited king, the one that they, they had hoped would come, this Messiah who would come to establish his kingdom. It was a flicker far off. And all that it was was the hope that they remembered. There were times when, when they discarded God's word in the temple and, and many years later, they like found it in the freight area of this building. And they're like, hey, what's this? And they dusted it off. And they open it up and they're like, hey, this is pretty good. We should read it together as God's people. And they did. For like a like hundred days, they just opened the book and they just read and read and read and read and read publicly. Reading the full story of God reminds us that, that all that we are is, is more than what we do with our minutes and with our days and our life here on earth. And at the same time, seeing the fullness of the story of God reminds us that what we do with our minutes and our days and our lives, it matters. And sometimes it matters eternally. It's a big deal. Life is always bigger than this moment in time. And for the most part, you who are here in this room, you will live to see another day. And I bet you've been in moments in your life when you're like, it's over, my life, gosh, how can I get past? And those moments are just, just nothing. You might not even sketch them out on the white piece of paper now. But in the moment, they were everything. For the most part, you will live to see another day until that day comes when you don't. But for those in Christ, this life that we live, it's, it's a, a flash in the pan. It's, it's you know, a, a kid in the dark writing with a sparkler, and they, they write their name. And each of those, those, those little shards that, that come off like phosphorus something, whatever it is, right? Our life, just a tiny little piece that's, that's coming off of that, that sparkler, that, that's, that's all of our life, and you put those together and you have a name written in the dark. It's, it's, it's nothing, but, but to be in Christ for us is, is to acknowledge our sin against God's holiness. We get to acknowledge our sin against God's holiness. We get to trust him to fill the gap in that you have life abundantly. It's not about what you do, but it's what Christ has done. For those who are in Christ, we hold this life 
loosely. We must hold this life loosely because this is not our home. This is not our eternal home. It's not our eternal dwelling place. And those realities, they, they change our hope. What Christ has done changes our hope, and, and, and that, changes, uh, that hope changes the way that we pray, right? And, and here's how it does that. The cares of today matter. Some of you are suffering. Some of you have, have endured for a long time. The cares of this day, they matter. Don't let anyone tell you differently. It's, it's your life. It's all that you've known. It's all that you know. Enemies. Having an enemy, not my favorite thing. Desperate circumstances, that real life. Impending death. Like, legit, we get to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. That's what he said. His track record, it shouts faithful. And in the arc of history, and maybe even in our own lives, this is true. His track record shouts faithful. See, I know people that came to trust Jesus. Like, maybe it's you. Like, you, you, you came to trust Jesus because you didn't know where to turn in a hard time. I have people in, in my life away from the Lord call me can you help me? I have this situation. I don't know where else to turn. Uh, one guy said, and you're the closest thing to, to God that I know of. And I said, bro, let's, we're pretty far away. <laughs> but yeah, I'll talk and we can pray. And, and so, so what happens in some of our lives is, is we, we thought what we needed was the hand of God to get us out of a situation, but what we experienced was was the heart of God to find him and to find out that he's bigger than even that circumstance or that situation. So we pray and we let God deliver, right? The cares of today matter, but here's the thing, the hope of tomorrow matters more. And, and moments matter, but the bigger arc of history tells us that we, we may take some L's in this life. You will suffer loss. And look, you can't follow Jesus without suffering loss. You can't live in a fallen world without suffering loss. And some of those L's, some of those losses may, may haunt you for the rest of your life. Being in Christ, it doesn't mean that those things just go away. And, and maybe the answer that, that the Lord gives you in those moments where you cry out is yes, and maybe the answer is no, and maybe the answer is, is maybe later. But one day all will be made new. I talked to somebody today, this morning, suffering physical stuff. And man, gosh, can I pray with you? I hate that. How are you doing? Well, one day, one day this won't be an issue. All right, and that, does that take away the pain of the moment? No. Is it a reality that's more important than this moment? It, it, it is. In, in moments of distress and sorrow, where do you turn? Figure it out now. Figure it out right now where you're going to turn when you're on the other side of those moments. And like, oh man, that distress is behind you. Where did you turn? Where do you turn? 
The way we respond to this, this world as Christians, as those in Christ by his work, must look different than the way sorrows look in a world without Christ. They have to look different. Hope isn't some crutch or anchor that, that we make up to soothe us. Hope is the result of being soothed by a God who holds all things in his hands. The second thing is this, when, when now feels like forever, praise God for the long gain. Sing praises to the Lord, O you saints, and give thanks to his holy name. From what we understand, David wrote this to be saying at the dedication of the temple that he never got to experience. And so he's, he's, he's writing this to, to invite the people of God to sing this chorus, sing praises to the Lord, you uh, owe you his saints and give thanks to his holy name for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. I mean, I, I want to throw this quote up here. It's, it's just from the ESV study Bible. I, I put these up here. I want you to know that you don't have to be, you don't have to have a PhD in, in anything. Uh, you don't have to have $1,000 worth of commentaries to understand God's word. And gosh, if you don't have a study Bible, like ESV study Bible, CSB study Bible, you read the words, read the Bible and spend your time there. But when, when things are unclear, or you need some help to understand what's happening, the bottom like third of, of the, the pages of a study Bible, just really helpful information. I thought this was really good. It says, joy comes with the morning. After stating his own intention to extol the Lord, the singer turns to his fellow worshipers and urges them to join him, to sing praises and give thanks, though there is indeed weeping in the lives of the faithful. And sometimes because of their misdeeds, they have incurred God's anger. It's pretty, pretty consistent throughout Scripture that sometimes we do stupid stuff that either brings natural consequences or in moments, the discipline from the Lord to us, right? One dude ran away from God, got swallowed by a fish, right? Two, two brothers doing something with the temple. God literally consumed them with fire in a moment. Paul talking about, hey, those of you who take communion and do so in an unworthy manner, that's why some of you are sick and some of you had died. So let's not act like God's just like passively like chilling, Sometimes it's because of, of stuff that we have done, and sometimes it's just because of suffering that comes from living in a fallen world. It comes to an end, right? Though, though there is indeed weeping in the lives of the faithful, it comes to an end. Mourning stands here for the time when, God's, when God gives relief, and it might not arrive until the last day, but it will surely come. When you read a, a story or, or watch a movie, you, you know the end, and, and that changes the in-between. Like, if you, let's say you sit down and you watch Titanic. You can assume what's going to happen. Maybe you don't know anything about history, but I, I'm guessing you probably know. And so you, you're kind of watching with a cloud over you, like, oh, this is, 
<sighs> like there's like this, your, your joy is, is dampened because you know the end. You, you know that she's going to let go. You know that, that uh, Romeo and Juliet, oh man, what, what a, like I'm not really sure, but you know, you, you know. Like it's, it's, man, this love, like what a love. It lasts for, it doesn't last for that long, right? You, you just know. And, and so the joys are limited by, by the impending judgment of the water rushing in. And on the flip of that, it's a wonderful life. Look, I haven't seen it in 20 years. I have no idea. There's a guy named George Bailey. Jared can do a really good impression of George Bailey. That's neither here nor there. That's true, right? I mean, okay, you can talk to him about that later. Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether you've seen the movie or not. Uh, how, does, how does that movie end? It, how does It's a Wonderful Life end? I bet it starts off and there's like some difficulty and like it gets really low, but like the whole time. You know that like, I, I'm guessing it turns out that George Bailey, maybe he has a wonderful life, right? And that, that changes the, the way that I'm watching this. Sorrows have a bottom because we know what's yet to come. When you read a story, when you watch a movie and you know the end, it changes the in-between. When, when we know the story of God, it changes every moment in the story unless we forget, which is why we're here, to be reminded of this journey that we're on. When we know that God is God in the beginning and when we know that God is God at the end and when we know that God is God in the middle, then we know it's also true in the pages of our journey that might not feel like it's true. The honesty of the Psalms, his wrath is but for a moment. God avenges sin, but his favor for a lifetime. For us in Christ, it means that, that we see God's wrath on a cross poured out in judgment for sin on an innocent lamb. In, in, in the Old Testament, as, as they would have read that, they, they would have known that it, that it meant there was sacrifice of the spotless lamb in the temple, that the priest would be the mediator, and he would call out the sin of the people, call out the sin of, of Israel, and he would apply that to this innocent, spotless lamb, and he would slay it representing God's wrath for that sin. And it was, it was temporary, but again, for us in Christ, we, we see Christ the Savior born a baby to be slain so that the favor of God might be ours for all time. Look, and if, if, the, favor of God is, if the favor of God is yours because of something that you've done, you might be deceived. If you're like super generous you're like decent or you serve or you sacrifice or you give or, or, or maybe you think you've done enough to please God, you probably haven't. And I only say that because God's word is, is crystal clear that there is nothing you can do to, to please God, to, to, to be righteous before him. You don't have the favor of God if it's built on your stuff, but, but you have the judgment of God. But if it's Christ, then it is, sure, maybe you've seen this video, this little boy, it's like the cutest thing you've ever seen. And he's like running to his mom, and he's like going to give her a flower. And, and he gets there, and he holds this thing out, and he's like, 
because when he left, it looked like a flower. But it was like really just like a dandelion with the little fuzzy things on there. And so in him running, like all the, all the things fly off of it. And he gets to his mom and he holds, and he's like smiling and he just goes, like that wasn't what I thought. Like, hear me. In the end of days, you think that your contribution to your salvation will stand? You're running and you're like, Lord, look at what I've done for you. You won't believe how great I've been. And you get there and it's just a dead, wilting flower, the best that you had to offer. You know, that may sound crazy and you're like, gosh, Michael, this is not very merry and bright. And, and I would say it's not crazy. It's literally the basis for Christianity. Like if that's not true, then, then what are we doing here? What are we reading about? What are we singing about? Who are we praying to? It's not that, that you help Jesus help you, but it's, it's that apart from Christ, you have no hope. And this, this changes the way that we get to be angry. Knowing the Lord's anger is but for a moment in, in, in the daily frustrations that we, that we deal with or, or the worldly injustice where we have, like certainly have anger. Our anger may burn short, but it has an end because it will be dealt with justly. And here's the thing. God, he doesn't look at us and just forget our sin. He's not angry and then, and then count to ten backwards. That's not what he's doing. We get to do those things. He doesn't just, just open the Calm app and listen to birds chirping so that he might not just burn the whole thing up. He, he gives evil what it deserves. And he does it patiently in perfect time in this life, in the next life, or on Christ's life on the cross to give us life. The last thing is this, when we are the big deal, give thanks that God establishes in his strength. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Like, you have to understand, this is kind of a raw psalm, and David's kind of all over the place, and he's saying like, God, thank you, gosh, I have no hope without you. Then he's like, but remember when I was like a big deal before you, and I, I told you how great I was, and then he's like, oh gosh, but your mercy, and I'll give things, and so you kind of have to like follow this, and I'm guessing if you, if you follow the contour of this, then you might find the contour of your own life hidden in there. He says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry and to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? And, it, and again, it's, it's hard to figure out what he's exactly saying, but he's saying, I, I will never be moved. And if I'm not here, God, I'm not sure if you're going to receive the glory that you need. But then he, he changes gears again. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me Oh, Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mornings into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. It's basically, that's like uh, mourning. And so, like, you took my white, my, my black garments and my, my black umbrella that I was holding. 
and you, and you clothed me with gladness, that my glory, that means all of his, all of his being, may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks. Uh, I will give thanks to you forever. See, in the life of David, the difference in those two, uh, God, look how great I am, and oh God, I'm nothing without you, the difference wasn't his circumstance. It was his perspective and his relationship to the Lord. Jesus tells this parable, and he describes two builders, and, and one of them builds a house on the rock, and one of them builds a house on the sand, and he says the, the wind came and the rains fell, and the one that was on the rock, what happened to it? Like it prevailed, right? Broken window, and I've got to fix that shutter for sure, some siding maybe, but, but it still stood there because it was built on the rock, and now the other one, it's built on the sand, and, and the wind blew and the rain came, and, and great was its fall. And what he tells us is when you build your life on me, you are building on, on an unshakable foundation. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. What's everything else? It's sinking sand. And like that's, that's, that's the thing. And so, so the question for us is, is what are you building on? What, what are you building your eternal foundation on? What are you building joy for tomorrow on. What, what, is, what is joy for tomorrow's foundation in your life? This whole time, you're, you might have been thinking, if I can just get past, and God, would you deliver? And, and if I can, tomorrow, if, I, if the thing goes away, or if, I, if whatever. But what I want you to know is, even if it doesn't, you're building your joy on, on something. And, and maybe it's yourself. It's what David was doing. Maybe it's your skills. Maybe it's your circumstance. Will I get the girl? Well, I won't. Get the job? I won't. Maybe you're building on others. Maybe you're building on your ability to be open-minded. Maybe it's your good looks. Maybe it's your youthful zeal. Maybe it's your resume, your account balance, your public approval. Look, all those things are gone in just an in, in instant. It's the point. And, and the, the, the result, King David would tell us, if you stay there and you continue to build on those things, then great will be your fall. Don't build on those things. Now, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, they teach the same thing in the 96 thriller Twister. Teach the exact same thing. Now, you may not know this. I wanted to be a weatherman twice in my life for about eight seconds. And when I was in high school, I was like, yeah, it could be cool. And once I was in college, I was sitting in some earth science class or whatever and like learning about weather and I thought man that could be cool and then like I walked out of that class and I just never thought of it again so like didn't work out the movie Twister is about a tornado right uh impending storm and they're chasing them they're like not being super wise uh, uh cows fly science matters uh but life matters more now I looked up I, this is what I was trying to do right because I care about you trying to figure out what the farthest someone has flown in a tornado. But, but I didn't get very far. Like someone survived like 1,300 feet. And it's like, yeah, if you land in brush and whatever, it's whatever. But, but I did find on this message board, like hidden in the dark places of the internet, this line that I just had to share. And it may not serve these purposes, but it's worth 
tongue. So what does it feel like if you are sucked up into a tornado? First, the good news, tornadoes do not suck. Uh, there is no way you can be sucked into a tornado. And again, this is someone on the internet. And that ends the good news segment of this post. <laughs> the not good news, tornadoes generate winds strong enough to smack you into solid objects, slam you to the ground, and then puncture and crush your tender body with big, heavy things like cars and pieces of what used to be buildings. And then there was a PSA, please monitor weather carefully and take severe weather warnings seriously. And we know people that don't and people that live in Florida or whatever and like the hurricane's coming and you're like, I've been through this. Like, I'm gonna put these two, two by fours in my window and we should be just fine. When, when we build on our pride, great was its fall. And, and I was watching the end of this movie just to get this right, the end of Twister this morning and I was getting ready to start crying when Scott came in and asked me about something irrelevant, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm watching a movie, Scott. It's, it's, it's Sunday morning. What else would I be doing? And so what happens with Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt is they are running, and there is like impending, like it is, it's the nastiest tornado you've never seen. And it's dark, and everything's flying, and houses are flying, and they're running. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I, did, I forgot that part. They're running from impending doom. And I was just thinking like, man, and some of you will hear these words today and you will, you will be the equivalent of the tornado coming and the judgment from the Lord and you will sit there on a, on a bench and you will, you, will, you will disregard the warning and great will be your fall. And there are others that, that might be clinging on to something that you've built or whatever, but no, not, it's not what they do. They run and they find a barn and he says, hey, Tie yourself to these, to these pipes because they go down at least 30 feet, he knows, right? And they take, I don't know, something for horses or some leather or whatever, and they like bind themselves up and they, they tie, this is a bit of a spoiler, um, and, and this is 96, and, and they, they tie themselves up and, and the wind comes and you know what happens? Like everything is gone. And like to the extent to where like they're, they're literally just in the air, flying, hanging on, but it's not even their grip that's, that's holding them there. It's, it's the foundation of those pipes and, and that leather that was holding them there. And, and our life might feel similar. And, and here they stand. And look, in Christ, here we stand. And so here's what that means. Men, stop fighting. Stop taking credit for God's work in your life. And find shelter in his arms. Men, I dare you to cry out to the Lord in your distress. I dare you to go to him and praise his name in your success. I dare you to do that. Women, lay down your guard you don't have anything to prove. How about this one? You get to receive his strength in your weakness. Teenagers, 
the Lord knows your pressure. The Lord knows that life is hard. You will find greater satisfaction in one day before the Lord than 10,000 elsewhere. Whatever it is that swirls in your mind each night, knowing that you have to get up and do the same thing tomorrow before those people who feel like your enemies or the burden of just work and it's hard. I, I dare you to lay it down and give it to the Lord. Eugene Peterson, he, he, some, he paraphrases this this way. He says, when things were good, I crowed, I've got it made. I'm God's favorite. He made me king of the mountain. Gosh, this is like tombstone stuff. He says, then you looked away and I fell to pieces. <laughs> when in my prosperity, I've got it made. God, look how great I am. Lord, and you looked away and I fell to pieces. They say that a 2-0 lead in sports is like the most dangerous lead. I know, Mike. I wasn't going to... There was a recent sports catastrophe where a team was up 2-0 and they lost 3-2 um, after the 75th minute. I know. it's, But here's the thing. It's dangerous because at 2-0, you put your guard down. Uh, again, ESV study Bible, I said in my prosperity, it's easy in times of prosperity for God's people to trust in themselves for continued well-being, but they must always remember that it is God who makes one's mountain stand strong, and if he should remove his care, the faithful are undone. Look, this psalm, it takes us on a journey with David through highs and lows and the conclusion and the charge is that in plenty or in want, it is the Lord who sustains, it is the Lord who establishes, it is the Lord who redeems, and it is the Lord who delivers. The fool pounds his chest at, at comfort from his own hands, but the wise one pleads for mercy and rejoices in strength that comes from our God alone. And so you might be saying, what? What might I cry out to the Lord? I mean, the band can come on up. What, what might I cry? What would I even pray like? Well, we'll pray like this: that that He would deliver you from distress, like for real. God, help me in my time of need. Pray that that He would uh, remind me that I'm not forgotten. When you feel alone, you are not alone. Pray that He would deliver me from the valley of death. And for some of us, what that means is you have been building your foundation on your own works, your own life, on something else. And the invitation is, is to find life today, not just like a second-rate life, but the abundant life, the fullness of life, eternal life that begins today and lasts for all time. I'll close out with um, a reading from the, the Advent Reflection that Angie Dickin uh, has written for us. In the quiet town of Bethlehem, nestled beneath a canopy of stars, 
a timeless tale of grace unfolded. From generation to generation, people clung to the promise of a Messiah, a deliverer who would bring salvation. In the joyful anticipation of Advent, this psalm, Psalm 30, becomes our anthem of praise, reminding us that those who confess their need for deliverance will be met with gladness. As we prepare our hearts for the coming Christ, we embrace the promise of transformation, knowing he turns mourning into dancing and death into life unending. Let us give thanks. And we're going to respond to that today. And you can sit right where you are. Just pray, think. You can stand up, sing with the band. There will be some reflection questions to help guide your repentance and, and, and your thoughts in just a couple minutes. If you want to go over there by that bench, you can kneel down and pray. If you just want some space to yourself, someone would love to pray with you back by that red tree. And if you are in Christ, all that that we talked about with Jesus, that, that, that is the foundation on which you build, then man, this, this table is open for you. And we do this as often as we do as a, as a reminder, as, as remembrance that Jesus' body was broken for us. And so we take the bread and his blood was spilled for us. So we take the cup, we take this drink to remember and to declare the foundation of our life in him. And if, and if that's not you today, if you're not in him, that you wouldn't say that that, that is the foundation of your life, then, then that's not for you, but we are for you. We would love to chat with you. You can fill out a connect card. You can find me back there. You can talk to somebody at the connect desk or at the, the tree. We would love to pray with you. God, thanks for your, your provision. Thank you that you let, let words be penned thousands of years ago that still today remind us of the only hope that we have, our hope in you. God, what a gift. Would you let us not hear these words and leave dissatisfied and leave sad and leave bearing guilt and, and condemned, but would you let us hear these words? And maybe those words meet us in a moment, but as we remember your work for us, that you laid down your life to give us life, would you let these words stir us to walk with you all the days of our life, to give thanks with everything we got? In Jesus' name, amen.